Mark chapter 10, verse, we're going to be reading verse 17 to 22. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. If you don't have a Bible or your Bible app, you can just listen to and uh, hopefully you'll hear God's word as well. Jesus counsels the rich young ruler. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I, shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that, but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up your cross, take up the cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us another day. Another time to praise and worship you. Another time to learn about you. Your ways and your will for us. Guide us again by your Holy Spirit. And teach us. And clear our hearts and our minds. And help us receive and accept your message for us. Forgive us for all of our sins. Let nothing hinder us from learning and hearing from you tonight. Father, I ask for blessings for my preparations, but at the same time, Father, please override it for let you and you alone speak to your people. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, tonight is February 2, 2020. 0202. 2020. I don't know. That doesn't mean anything. I just wanted to say it. <laughs> 0202. I don't know. I just found that weird. Um, I entitled our message. Is, uh, is John John there? <laughs> it's disabled. <laughs> I entitled our message tonight. You got me? All right, Mikey. Ready. I love you more. This is our God's love series. This is the line for the guys that are trying to really get the girl love them more. You know, the girl will say, I love you. And the guy will say, I love you more. All right. Yeah, Chris is shaking. They used it a couple of times. All right. Doesn't necessarily mean it's true. But it's the right, right thing to say at that moment. I love you, sweetheart. I love you more. Right? Right? That's when you get in there. You know you're in. You sweep the girl off her feet. You know you got everything already. But you got to mean it. Right? Most of the time, we don't mean it. Our children says, I love you, mom. I love you, dad. And you say, I love you more. For the parents, most of the time that's true. Most of the time the parents love their children more than the children love their parents, unfortunately. 
And there's sacrifices behind that word love. That statement, there's actions behind that statement. There's truth. There's, there has to be proof. And there has to be a response to that word, I love you. And that, that, that response, I love you more. So tonight's Valentine's, oh, well not tonight, this, this month's going to be Valentine's Day, right? This month, the world and the advertisements will flood us with this word love, with this notion of love. Now we're not, tonight we're not going to tackle the real meaning of love, because I think I did that two Valentine's ago. But since we're going to do a whole month of, of talking about love, with God's love particularly, it's, it's to, to battle against what the world tells us what love is. Now, looking at this picture, you know, I'm thinking this is not, these are not actual people. They're, they're acting. <laughs> they're not really engaged. They're not really married. But I, I'm kind of just playing around there with the hashtag, that is love. She loves him. And then the question, until when? Right? Until they really find out who they really are. Until they find out, until she finds out that he's a slob, until he finds out that she's not a good chef, <laughs> right? Do, do you remember that look that you used to give to each other? Or, or for those, the single ones here, is that the look that you're craving for? Or is that the look you're giving your crush? That look like, ah, just the look, you know they love you already, Right? Husband and wife, we do that. When you were courting the girl that you were wanting to marry, that's the look. And just the sight of them just gives you good feelings, right? Just the thought of them makes you forget what you're doing. You're like, what am I doing? I was talking, thinking about Annalou. Oh my gosh. Where was I? <laughs> right? You're like in the days. And then how about this? I know I can't resist it. <laughs> how about the look apparent? A parent and a child looking at each other lovingly. How about that, huh? That you can't fake. Right? If you're a parent and your child looks at you and you know they're just saying, I love you. And you're just like, oh my gosh. This is why I do the sacrifice that I do. This is why I work all the hours that I work for the parent. And the, for the child, they're like, this is God for me. Parents were like little gods to our children. We provide everything for them. We give them, we give them love, unconditional love. We give them grace. We give them mercy. And if you're a part of our household, we give you justice too. <laughs> so this month we're going to be flooded with that. We're going to be flooded with love this, love that. So tonight I'm going to talk to you about in the passage that we just read which you have in your Bibles or your Bible app, we're going to have three points there. I know we've tackled this, this passage last week too, but something there stuck with me. That's why I wanted us to study it tonight in regards to God's love. The first point will be the way He looks at you and loves you. Second point is His love followed by truth. And then the third is our response action, which is the proof or evidence of God's love or our love for Him. So the main point will be Jesus' primary motivation. God's primary motivation of answering the rich young ruler was this, right? 
Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. The way for the parents, when you look at your children, there is that innate feeling of love. It's given. It's right there. See, if you're in love with somebody, it's that look that you give them. It's that look that you get from them. You don't have to ask for it. It's just, it just happens. So my, my thing here is, I'm amazed on how God can look at this guy, Jesus, looking at this rich young ruler and feel love for him. Because if you know the story, we read it, right? We read it, and if you know how it ended, the rich young ruler left. But before that, even before that, the rich young ruler didn't know that, but Jesus looked at him and loved him. You know, Matthew 19 tells us Jesus... Matthew 19 tells us that this man is uh, rich. Or, and then in Mark, it tells us that he is uh, a ruler. And in Luke, it tells us he was rich. So we just call him rich young ruler. Okay? We're going to summarize it. But this is the first time too in this account, in this passage, this is the first time that somebody comes to Jesus and comes out worse than when he came in. Because everybody that came to Jesus were healed, right? They received their sight. They, their leprosy was gone. They, they, they were not, no longer paralyzed. But this rich young ruler came to Jesus and he left worse than he was before he came. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Then after that, Jesus gave him the answer to his question. Because of Jesus' love for him, this rich young ruler got the answer for his question. The question of what? What am I supposed to do to earn eternal life? Now, if you're, we, we called him rich, we called him young, we called him ruler. Everything that this, this society, our society and his society back then, wants. We still, want, we still love it when we're, if we're rich. And a ruler, so we're thinking he's probably a politician, a man of influence. We still like that. We still admire that. Right? So, what, what's missing in his life? How come he still felt emptiness? Well, though, and then he was, he was a good person. He was, he was doing all the commands. Right? But something was lacking. Something still was lacking in him. Now, if you look at this verse, and then you and then you ask yourself, is Jesus, when Jesus look at me, does he love me when he sees me? You know, the answer there is yes. When Jesus looks at you, he loves you. He looks at us with love. Now, if you're sitting there and you're in this whole Valentine's Day, which is approaching, this whole month is just depressing you because you're single, you're not married, you're not involved. Yes, this whole month is just, oh my gosh. I know Mikey calls it SAD, Single Awareness Day. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I, I find it pretty interesting because a lot of married people would rather be single <laughs> and then vice versa, right? You can never satisfy a man. But this caught me last week. 
when I read it, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then Jesus responded to him. Jesus responded to him out of Jesus' love. So the question is, do you, do you feel unloved? I know even if you're married, sometimes you can still feel unloved. I know even if your parents are still around, you can still feel unloved by them. How many people in the world is seeking love? Love that is unending, unconditional, but never really gets it. How many people are seeking love from people that they give all their effort to, all their sacrifices that they do for them, but doesn't get it in return? Like the rich young ruler, he has given much as he thinks for God, but he still finds himself wanting. He's seeking a guarantee of an eternal life. Now, I don't know if he was thinking about eternal life, no death, so that he can continue to enjoy all his riches, all his influence, and all his vitality. Or was he really seeking the eternal life? Like, well, after he dies in this body, will he earn heaven? Regardless of what eternal life he meant, he asked Jesus, how can he earn it? What can he do? And if you know that whole passage there, Jesus said, for man, this is impossible, right? And, and then Jesus told him, let go of your riches. Let go of your money and come follow me. And he didn't want it because he had a lot, right? He didn't want to let go of his comfortable life. And Jesus knew that. Jesus sees the heart, right? Just like when he saw the friends, remember? When we discussed that in our anniversary, when the friends brought the paralyzed man. He looked at them and he was, he was amazed with their faith. And then when he healed the paralyzed man, he knew what the Pharisees were thinking. He knew what was in their hearts. So Jesus know, knew that this guy will not let go of his money. But despite that, Jesus looked at him and loved him. That is what's amazing for me. It's not like Jesus said, oh no, how can I love this guy? And he couldn't even let go of his money for me. No, Jesus knew. Jesus knew. All of us, God knew that we will fail Him one way or another. After accepting Him as our Lord and our Savior, still, God knew that one way or another, we will fail Him. Now, some of us, we think we have respectable sins. <laughs> I heard this term and I said, I'm going to steal that. Right? Respectable sins are uh, pride, but I don't say anything. Um, I think I'm better than them, but I'm not going to say anything. But at least I'm not a rapist. That's, that's the not respected sins. Those are the gross sins. I, 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 I'm married, but I'm cheating silently. But at least I'm not going to divorce my wife. Respectable sin for them. I'm going to gamble. I'm going to continue to desire money, money, money. At least I'm not going to borrow money from other people and file for bankruptcy. Those are evil. I'm not evil. You know, we, we, make, we make these categories for ourselves to make ourselves feel better. Thinking that God will accept us better if we don't sin this way or sin that way. But at the end of the day, the whole point is Jesus is looking at each of his people and is loving us. 
God looks at us and loves us. You know why? Because He sees Christ's righteousness in us. He sees Christ in us. And Jesus is up there as our advocate. He is the one that is always telling in defense for us. He's our defense attorney. He's our defense attorney. Well, but you know, it, the funny thing is it, he's not this. He goes, oh, Lord, I know Joe, he blew it again. I'm sorry. I don't know how many times I can do this anymore, but you know, boys will be boys. No, he doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't respond that way. Jesus responds by, yes, sins must be paid. And Father, his sin has been paid by me. My blood was shed for him. So it's paid for. He sins yesterday, he sins today, he sins tomorrow. Is that amazing? That's God's love for us. Jesus is looking at all of us lovingly. Now we might not look at ourselves in a loving way because we, we, we tend to hate ourselves more, right? But God looks at us and loves us. So this Valentine's Day or this whole month, or your whole life for that matter, try to remember that when Jesus looks at you, He loves you. Amen? I know it can be discouraging. It can be discouraging. Just like this, this, this I'm going to look at the room, okay. We don't have, um, I was going to use Jake, but we're, we don't have a Jack, right? And we don't have a Diane, all right? So Jack's rich grandfather died. And he left Jack $10 million. Three months later, Diane, Jack's high school crush, agreed to marry Jack. To Jack's big surprise. Three months later, Jack noticed that whenever they're out, Diane is always talking to another guy, other guys in the room, flirting with them. And Jack was like, I think this is too obvious. So Jack said, We're gonna have a heart, I'm gonna have a heart to heart with Diane. So he goes, Diane, did you just marry me because my grandfather gave me $10 million? Tell me the truth. Be honest with me. And Diane goes, Don't be silly, Jack. I don't care where you got the money. It played better in my head. I thought it was really funny. <laughs> People's love is conditional. Sometimes they love us because they need something from us. It's either finances or security or physical attention. But God's love is unconditional. Remember, when Jesus looked at him, loved and loved him, he wasn't even right with God. But still, Jesus looked at him and loved him. In Psalm 17.8, this is the English Standard Version, it reads, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings, the psalmist writes. You know, you are God's apple in His eye. We are the apple in His eye. Imagine that. That's how much He loves us. That's how much He adores us. If you think you can love your child so much, what more God? How about God? His love for us surpasses all our humanly love here. 
So if you're feeling lonely, you're feeling unloved, you're feeling unwanted, just know that as Jesus looks at you, He loves you. Our second point, His love followed by the truth. Mark 10, 18-20, Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not give false testimony. You should not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I kept since I was a boy. I have to address the part here. Why do you call me good? Jesus always answers questions, right? That are thrown at him with a question. Now, this statement of Jesus saying, why do you call me good? It's Jesus kind of, it's his way of saying, if you're calling me good, and the only person that should be called good is God, then you must have an impression that I am God. Jesus started with that question. Because you know why, folks? If we know that it is that He is God, what's the next thing? We need to listen to the next thing that He's going to say, right? We need to obey what He's going to say. We need to heed to His words. That's why Jesus started, why do you call me good? Only God is good. So, and then he answers him. Obey the commands. And then, the, and then Jesus gave the five commands, the latter of the five of the Ten Commandments. That's the five other parts. The other five, the first five is for God. Commands for God. The latter five is for our fellow men. And all the things that were mentioned are from that. The last five. And it's in Exodus 20 if you wanted to look at it. But then as Christians, as Christians, we are not, the Ten Commandments were just given to us and for His people as a reminder that we cannot make it to heaven. But Jesus was also asked in Mark 12, what's the greatest and important command? Remember, the legal experts asked God, What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied in verse 29, 29, The most important one is Israel. Listen, our God is the one Lord, and you must love God with all your heart, with all your being, all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So if, 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 we see that and we heard what Jesus gave him, do all these commands, and he said, I've done that since I was a boy. Right? In a way, in a way, the, the, the rich young ruler was trying to tell Jesus, like, I've done that. I should be good to go. Now it's not in the it's not in the verse, it's not in the scripture, but then he's probably saying, But something is missing. Something else is missing. No, I know, I know. I'm looking around the room and we, we've all surrendered to Jesus, right? We've all surrendered to Jesus. But then sometimes something happens as we walk in this Christian life and we start failing. We start sinning. And then some, somebody had the wrong doctrine and we're thinking all of a sudden that we don't deserve God anymore because we failed, right? Because we're not keeping the commands. But we're not. Jesus has paid for all of that. And then if you see here, the first and greatest commandment, that's what Jesus answered him, right? Jesus answered him that 
You have to let go of your riches. Why, why, is that the, why did that fall in the first command? Because he needed to love God with his entire being. Nothing must come next or above God. His money was coming before God. His money was controlling him. His money was his entire being. He was loving his money with his entire being rather than God. That's why he missed. That's why he was still missing it. And Jesus said, come. Take up your cross and follow me. What Jesus didn't say there is, I'm going to go to the cross. What Jesus didn't say to the rich young ruler there is, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to suffer the death of crucifixion for your sins and mine. For your sins. There's nothing else that you need to do but just believe in me and accept that gift. Jesus wasn't. Jesus didn't tell him that. But Jesus told him, let go of your riches. Take up your cross and follow me. He, wasn't, he didn't tell him that. But we all know that because we have the Bible. We've, we've listened to many messages. We've read the Bible. We, we know the doctrine of it. But sometimes we still walk in this life thinking that God doesn't love us because we have fallen short. We have fallen short. And you know why we fall short? Because something else became more important than God. Because our obedience to God must be a response of our love for Him. Our obedience to Him is not because we're trying to earn heaven. Our obedience to His commands is because we love Him. If you love me, obey my commandments. That's what Jesus said. So folks, if you're finding yourself having a hard time coming to church every Sunday, that's an indicator that your love relationship with God is failing. But your love relationship with God doesn't only come with you coming to church. There's also prayer time. Now, it doesn't just mean that you're going to pray and go to church and it ends there. No, there's also your life. How are you going to live your life? That also goes in hand in hand with it. So your love relationship with God produces that desire and delight to obey Him, the desire to come worship Him with other believers, the desire to read your Bible, the desire to pray to Him because of your love for Him. Now, if those are not happening, then there is a problem with your love relationship with God. Something else or someone else is coming is, or is becoming the first priority of your life. Just like the rich young ruler. Now, throughout the Bible, there are 490 verses that deal directly with faith. 500 or more deal with prayer. And then get this. And 2,000 verses deal with money. <laughs> so God must think that this is very important for us, right? That money is an idol. Do we agree? Our society makes money an idol. You don't have money? How much is your credit line? Is your credit card maxed out? Not yet? Go ahead. What? Why do you need to pray if you can afford to go to the Philippines? If your credit card says accepted, that means you can go. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> 
I didn't have to ask you. You provided ahead of time. Why is it? 288 verses in the Gospels. Alright? There's 288 verses in the Gospels. And in what it alone, one in every ten, one in every ten of those 288 concern money. Imagine that. Imagine this rich young ruler coming to Jesus saying, Lord, how can I earn eternal life? And then Jesus tells him, and then what does he do? Goes away sad. American Christians, us American Christians, money, you know, if you're just making the right decisions, right? If you have good credit, you have money. You have gas in the car. We're rich. More, it, in all over the world, we have things that most of, most of the people around the world don't have. If you live in this country, you are considered rich. I, I heard somewhere that in the 1920s, the rich people back then in the 1920s don't even have the comforts that we have, not rich people. They didn't have AC back then. They didn't have television back then. They didn't have the cars, as comfortable cars. But do we see, do we see money as an idol necessarily the thing is we get blinded we use God to get money not thinking that we're using God to get money because money becomes more important to us look at your life look at your life in 2019 on how you've spent your money that's a big indicator on how, on what is important in your life. If it's eating out, then the most important thing for you is eating out. If it's clothes, then it's clothes. How much of your treasure went to God or for God's work? How much of that eating out did you actually take a brother or a sister out for fellowship? All these verses that discusses about money just tells us that God is letting us know and He knew ahead of time that money will be the number one thing that will take us away from Him. Now the question, folks, is are you reading your word? And as you read your word, when you call Him Lord, do you actually really listen to what He tells you right after you ask Him a question? Just like the rich young ruler. He asked Jesus, how can I earn eternal life? And he was told. And what did he do? Never mind. How many of us truly put money or our riches above God? How many of us, when we hear from God through our reading or through a message, accept what God tells us, even if it hurts? Even if it means we have to let go of that one thing that's really having that grip in our life. Now, if you see a doctor because you are feeling sick, I know I've gave this example before, but it really makes sense. And he tells you, you will live 10 more years if you stop eating chocolate. But chocolate happens to be your favorite dish. Or dish. <laughs> favorite dessert. Favorite snack. What if, right? 
Some of us, I'll tell you, some of us were like, is there an alternative? Alternative chocolate? Or we say, you know what, never mind, I'll die good, I'll die happy. Live and let live. Do you see Proverbs 7.2? Do you see this as your life? It says here, keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Now, we are the apple of God's eye. Now, is His instructions, are His words the apple of our eye? Do we approach our daily reading grudgingly? Like, oh gosh, pastors talked about reading the Bible again. Oh my gosh. Start the clock. Do we approach it that way? Or do we go, Lord, what do you have for me? What do you have for me today? What is the... Is that really what I need to do for me? Lord, please help me live this way. Do we really see it as a conversation? Do we really see it as a dialogue? Or do we just see it as a burden? Another thing to do. Why do I have to cook rice? <laughs> Why do I have to eat rice with my adobo? Right? No, we want our rice with our adobo. It's a perfect match. You just can't eat adobo, adobo alone. I know my American friends do it, but if you're Filipino, you know you need that with the rice because without the rice, it doesn't taste the same. <laughs> now, it's the same thing with our walk with the Lord. Our prayer must be partnered with our reading of the Word, and our reading must be partnered with our prayer. It has to go hand in hand. And again, if you're doing this as a religious exercise because you want to be good, I want to go to heaven. Right? You do it as a religious exercise. Not because you want to hear from God. The God that looks at you and He loves you. The God that has given you all things. And He continues to give you good things. Again, everything that we do for God must come out from our love relationship with Him. Is this my second one? Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. That's the command. That's, that was his answer to his question. He didn't like it. He didn't like it. You know, the sad thing is, ever since I became a pastor, I have to get involved with people's lives. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a privilege. It's an honor. I say sad because sometimes the person and I are, are talking. Okay, what do, you, what do you need? Tell me what God wants from me. Tell me how I'm supposed to live for God. And then we, and we, we get to it. We tell them. I tell them. Don't marry that person because you can't yoke with unbelievers. And then they backpedal. Like, oh my gosh. This church is so legalistic. I need to go to a different church. You know, are we saved by grace? Why are we, you know? And, and then they come to, and then they get into problems. And then they say, what did God do? I mean, I, I thought God was restore. I mean, I thought he was supposed to bless my marriage. I got married in a Christian church. I said the right verses. I said 1 Corinthians 13 in my vow. But then you missed that one part. You didn't want to hear it. You didn't want to hear it. God told you the answer. You didn't want to hear it. And they, they say, I'm having financial problems. Okay, what do you do? I'm gambling. You need to stop gambling. 
But no, I don't want to stop gambling. And then, and then one thing leads to another, and then they start drinking. And, and okay, going, you're not gonna go to hell because you gambled. You're not gonna go to hell because you had a drink or two. But we're talking about if you're wanting to live for God, and then God tells you that answer there, where He says, "You don't be consumed with alcohol." He says, "Don't be greedy with money." But yet you ignore it, and then you get into trouble. And then you question God. And you blame Him. God told him to let go of his money. Now, I agree with the commentaries that I read that God probably didn't really mean that he just becomes poor. Because not only, heaven is not only for poor people. Okay? Rich people can go to heaven too because it's not about your financial status. Or lack of financial. Going to heaven is because you accepted Christ. But then being in a relationship with God, He tells us and He reveals to us if someone else or something else is going above Him. If we are making someone else a higher priority or something else, our success with our career, our family life, our children, our spouse, our retirement plans, if it comes before Him, then it's wrong. That's when it becomes wrong. Now look at here. Before I end this third point here. The third point is His love followed by truth, right? Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. But this is the amplified version. It says here, By religious rituals that provide no peace. And I will give you rest, refreshing your souls with salvation. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, following me as my disciple. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, renewal, blessed, quiet for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. Why are Christians... Why do Christians, most of the time, this is what I hear, Pastor, I can't be at church because I am working. I had to work. And I get it. Sometimes it's not your call. When they schedule you for, for the time to worship, right? Sometimes you really need to work overtime because it's not your call. And I get it. Sometimes you say you don't have time to read His Word because you were tired from working all those overtime. I get it when you also say that I don't have time to pray because I have to rest. Did you hear everything I just said? We don't have time for God. The God that looks at us with love, we're too busy for Him. We're too busy to pray to Him, to talk to Him while He's just waiting there, waiting in His throne Saying, Joe, when are you going to talk to me? Joe, I got, I got something stored for you today. When are you going to open my word? Joe, I have plans for you. My plans for you are good. It's for your peace. Oh, but we don't have time for him. We have time for work, which is money, right? Because we have bills, Correct. Because we bought three houses here and then two houses in the Philippines, right? 
So we have to work. I mean, God knows, right? God understands. Uh, we're just planning for our future. Because just in case He doesn't provide for us, at least we have money, right? Is that how we think? Sometimes that's, that's what we think. I, I ask people, I go, how are you? Oh, I'm so tired. I'm getting sick. Oh, maybe you need to stop working two jobs. Well, no, I, can't. I have a house in the Philippines. A house in the Philippines that you're not there to live in. Okay. Right? Sorry, if you have a house in the Philippines, I wasn't thinking about you. I'm just saying this. When our priorities are... Our life will reveal our priorities. Okay? How we live our lives will reveal our priorities. How we spend our time will reveal our priorities. And it's been said that, that love is spelled T-I-M-E. Time. If you love your children, you spend time with them. If you love your spouse, you spend time with them. If you love God, you spend time with Him. That's why Jesus' invitation for His people is, Come to Me. Come to me and I will give you rest. Because nothing about God is, is heavy. It is hard, but He will help us. He, he told us to take His yoke upon us, not the yoke of the world. That's heavy. But God's yoke is not heavy. You know why? Because Jesus is carrying it with you. Carrying it for you, I should say. So what's your life about? Again, when Jesus looks at you, Jesus loves you. But then when you bring a problem to God, when you ask Him a question, be ready for His answer. Because sometimes it's not what we want. This Mark 10, 22, But he was sad at this word, went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The tr truth is always exposed. When you bring things to God, He will expose it. So you're probably thinking, maybe not. Maybe I shouldn't bring anything to Him. <laughs> no, you, all the more you should bring everything to Him so He can expose the truth. The truth about this rich young ruler was money meant more to him than eternal life. Money meant more to him. Some of us, our relationship with other people means more to us than our relationship with God. Some of us, our success with our career means more important to us than our relationship with God. In the case of the rich young ruler, other than finding out that his works weren't earning him eternal life, he was told that he had to let go of the things that he's been working or working on for the rest of his life. I'm imagining that he had great wealth because he was rich and he was a young ruler. He was influential. But he was doing all the right things in, in his eyes and in, in people's eyes. He asked the right question, but he didn't like the answer. One thing he had going was he had... He, Ask the right question. For some of us, sometimes we're not asking the right questions. 
Kobe died last week. Everybody's talking about how, how much he achieved in his life. But nobody's asking the question, what happens when you die? Nobody said, nobody said anything about his eternal life other than Christians that came across his way. But nothing in the mainstream media mentioned anything about life after death. Nobody. Everybody was talking about his accomplishments here. There was a Christian that, that said that they met, because that's what they do, they meet athletes to share the gospel to them. And they said, as much as they don't, they haven't heard Kobe make any public statements about his relationship with Jesus, they said at that moment when they met him, they asked him, have you given your life? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord? And Kobe said, I have. So, but the point is this, nobody's asking the question. Now Christians, I hope you're asking the questions, right? I hope you're asking the right questions. You see celebrities die this way. You have to think, I wonder if he, has, he or she has a relationship with God. Because that's what really matters at the end of the day. Do we agree? It is. It is. And as Christians, we don't know the people that, we know the people that God brings our way. But we don't know which one, or even us, if, we're, if this is our last day. But one thing we know, that a person can only go to heaven if they have Jesus. Now, Christians, you have that responsibility to share that truth. Okay, it's February 2, 2020. Are you sharing Jesus? Are you sharing His love to others, to your friends and your family that don't have a relationship with Him? Are you sharing that? When you talk about Kobe, that's a perfect time to spring. That's a springboard to say, well... Never know when God's going to take us, so we have to really make sure about our eternal security. And then their next question should be, what do you mean, right? Now, the, the Heather's response is the action, right? And it's the evidence. Whenever God tells us the truth, or a truth about Him, about His will for us, Whenever he answers our prayers, if it's a no, if it's a yes, there is a responsibility on our part that we either respond to that. And our response is always, there's always action in that response. And then whenever you respond, that is the evidence. That is the evidence that you heard God. That is the evidence that you love God. Now, it's the same thing with God. Jesus looked at the rich young ruler and loved him. And Jesus gave him the answer to his questions. And look at this. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, if you're still wondering, I don't know if God loves me. He does. He truly does. He loved us by giving Jesus to us. That's the ultimate proof that God loves the world. For God so loved the world 
And if you're thinking, I'm part of that, I'm part of the world, then God loves you. That He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. <laughs> Unbelievable. If you're walking, if you're living a life thinking that nobody loves you, you could be speaking the truth, unfortunately. But there's one person that truly loves you, and that's Jesus. God loves you. His love for you, He proved it. The evidence is the cross. Now, it would have been easier for Jesus not to go to the cross. It would have been easier for Him. It would have been easier for Him if we suffered for our sins, because it's our fault anyway, it's not His. But because He loved us. That's His main motivation. That's God's main motivation. Love. He does things to us, for us, because He loves us. Just like a good parent. Just like a good parent. And I have this story to share here. If I can find it. This is the story of Karen Watson. Karen Watson felt God's call to go to Iraq and share the gospel there. She responded by resigning her job. She resigned her, her job, sold her car, she sold her house and other possessions. When she left, Everything she owned was contained in a duffel bag. Today, her duffel bag has become a reminder of the work she did in telling people in Iraq about Jesus Christ. Watson's family shared her story with the president of the Southern Baptist International Mission Board, Jerry Rankin, at her funeral. Rankin then took Watson's message of sacrifice to a missions conference in New Orleans, where he encouraged students, faculty, and staff of the New Orleans Baptist theological seminary to consider missions not out of obligation to fulfill the Great Commission, but because they are compelled by the love of Jesus. In addition to the Rankin said, media and culture, they just don't get it. Why would anyone go to a place that their lives would be at risk, he added. We all have succumbed to a culture and a philosophy where it is all about us. It's all about our comfort, all about our security, all about our future in this life. They never understand that there is something worth giving your life to. There is a purpose that's worth dying for. But the world doesn't understand that, Rankin says. No one becomes obedient to the point of giving their life through a sense of obligation because Jesus told him to go. He says, no, you are driven by a passion in your heart for a lost world. In addition to her duffel bag, Watson left a letter with her pastor that was to be opened only by her death. When the letter was opened after she and three other workers were murdered in Iraq, Watson made it clear she had counted the cost of going. In handwritten capital letters, she, she wrote, There are no regrets there are no regrets true love hurts 
God truly loved us to a point that He gave His Son, to a point that He gave His life, died, died the death of a criminal, an innocent man. So true love hurts. It hurts to tell our loved ones the truth, especially if it's not what they want to hear. But because we love them so much, we tell them anyway. By doing that, we put ourselves, our relationship with them on the line. Everything that God has done for us and continues to do for all of us is done because He loved us. Zechariah 28, Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8. For thus said the Lord of hosts, after His glory sent me to the nations who plundered you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. We are the apple of his eye. He wants to bless us. He loves us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Jeremiah 29.11 Folks, this month you're going to hear about love, this, love, that. Just know that there is one true love. And that's God's love for us. And out of our love, because He loved us, we love because He first loved us. So our response to Him should be out of our love for Him. So our life of obedience, our life of service, our life of sacrifice is because of our love for Him. Because we understand how much He loves us. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank You for this evening that you have again reminded us of who you are, what you're about. And tonight, Lord, it is about your love for us. We, don't, we will never understand how much and why you love us. But we are grateful. We are all your unworthy servants. And you made worthy because of your sacrifice on the cross for us. Strengthen our faith, Father, as we surrender our will to you. And we ask, Lord God, that we end our selfishness. And we start a life of responding to your love. An obedient life. May everything tonight that you spoke, to us, Lord God, be ingrained in our hearts and our minds. Father, we thank you for your love. Guide us, Lord, from this place. Help us to become a blessing to others by talking to them and speaking to them about your love. We thank you for everything. In your Son's mighty name we pray. And all the pe Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all rise.